is the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our weekend service right here at our campus located in downtown Brea, California. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Love it, love it, love it, love God. what God's doing in 2020. Got some exciting things going to be happening here at Refinery. Uh, I'm glad that I want you guys make sure that you're a part of it. Make sure you're part of what's happening here. Uh, look for ways to get involved. We're going to be talking about that. But first, we have a series that we're in right now designed to address one of the core issues. And I'm going to just jump straight into it for the sake of time. To address one of the core issues that we wrestle with every single day. And I know some of you wrestle with this. Most of you do. I know that I do. It's an issue that I believe is causing spiritual anemia or famine, a spiritual famine in our society, in our culture, in churches, good churches, Christian churches around America and around the world. And this issue is this. And if you're a note taker, you have your journal with you, go ahead and open up and get ready to write some notes. The issue is this breathless pace of life that we experience every single day. This, this seemingly out of control, breathless pace of life, going from fire to fire, crisis to crisis, thing to thing, hurry, hurry, hurry. Work demands, family demands, emails, text messages, social media, all of it screaming for your attention. Now we wear our mobile devices on our bodies and it's constantly tapping or doing whatever it does to say, hey, pay attention to me. Leadership trainers like Charles Hummel, I mentioned this last week, leadership trainers like Charles Hummel call this lifestyle living in the tyranny of the urgent. That, that in, in essence, we're living under this tyrannical regime that says, now, 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 now. I need your attention now, 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 now. And there's some results that happen and research is beginning to show it is not healthy for our human humanity in our bodies, our minds, our emotions, our relationships. Some of the results, I wrote them down here, some of the results of living in this feverish pitch of a lifestyle that we live in is, is one, it causes personal disappointments. More people are feeling discouraged, disappointed, even depressed because they get to the end of the day, they get to the end of the week, they get to the end of the month, they get to the end of the year and they go gosh, I really didn't accomplish or do what I really wanted to do. I didn't take care of what matters most because I was so busy. Busy. It causes mental and physical exhaustion, which because we're constantly on. There's no off switch anymore. I was watching a documentary recently about uh, the things that transformed humanity. And one of those was the light bulb. It completely transformed humanity, as you can imagine, right? Because back in the day, you worked when the sun went up, and you stopped work when the sun went down. Not anymore, because once the light bulb came on, the first places that they put light bulbs, guess where they were? Factories. So they could work longer and harder and make more money and make more stuff. We're constantly on, and that's even magnified even more now in the 21st century. Research shows that what that is doing is that's affecting our bodies and our health. It's also affecting, here, check this out, it's affecting our creativity. It's affecting our productivity because we're constantly on and we're not turning off to recreate. It causes poor health. 
Yes, we understand stress causes poor health, but just on the practical level, when you're moving so fast, you don't have time to eat well. You don't have time to rest. You don't have time to to exercise because you're so busy. You have things to do, places to go, people to see. Do you know that there are more fast food restaurants now than ever before helping to service our fast lifestyle? And we know that fast food is not the best for us. You eat a whole bunch of fat, greasy food, you become a greasy dude. (laughs) It happens. This negatively affects our relationships and the important relationships that we value. Because unfortunately, at this hurried pace of life, this constant go, 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 this tyranny of the urgent, the ones that we love the most, our family, our friends, tend to get our leftovers, don't they? the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, after a demanding day, unfortunately, our loved ones are the ones that take the brunt of it. We're spiritually starving. Check this out. That's not living. That's not thriving. That's surviving. And Jesus Christ wants you to do more than just survive. He came and gave his life so that you could thrive. We may be running, 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 and going nowhere fast, kind of like these guys. Take a look. Oh, do you ever feel like this? That's me sometimes, right there. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like that guy that's just hanging on, that's just hanging on for dear life. (laughs) Yeah, the video's funny, right? I mean, it's true, but don't, don't you feel that way sometimes? It's a real issue. It's a real issue. God, come in. God wants us to know, stop, slow down, answer the door. I don't know. Life can feel out of control. There's a statement. There's a statement that's credited to a number of people. And um, I I don't know exactly who said it first. Some say Corey Tinboom. Others say C.S. Lewis, but whether it doesn't matter really, it's not important who said it first. The truth of the statement is valid for today, and I think all of us need to see it. Take a look on the screen. It says this, if the devil won't make you bad, he'll make you busy. He'll keep you so busy. Yeah, maybe you're not morally a degenerate. Maybe you're not a murderer or a rapist, but you're so busy that you really don't have time for the things that matter most. He'll get you focused on all the things that are less important, trivial matters, so that you won't be investing your time into what matters most. That's why I'm doing this series, But First, prioritizing what matters most. And I felt the Lord say, Kelly, this is for this congregation and the people who come on Saturday nights. Even if you're a guest with us for the first time, this is for you. God wants you to know that he has more and better for you. 
but it's going to require some reprioritization. Here's a good fact that you may want to write down. It's going to be on the screen so you can write these notes down. This is a good fact. Busy people have goals, and goals are good. Maybe you set some goals for this year, and you're saying, I'm going to achieve those goals. But check this out. Productive, thriving people have what? Priorities. There's a difference. Productive, thriving people, they have priorities. Most of the issues that I mentioned happen even to good people who have good intention and admirable goals. But they're suffering through some of the same things that I mentioned earlier. Because life is less about tasks and checking off boxes and more about priorities and doing and accomplishing what matters most, right? When our priorities are right alignment, let me tell you what will happen. When your priorities are in right alignment, you're going to find that you'll have greater peace, healthier bodies, you'll have happier relationships, and clearer minds. Doesn't that all sound good to you? Oh, clear mind, greater peace, healthy body, happy relationships. Those are the things that we need. That's the list of the things that are most important. And that's why Jesus made this promise, and it's the theme verse for this series, and why it's so key, especially at the beginning of the year and beginning of a decade, for us to, to hear what Jesus said. It's in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 31 and 33. Take a look on the screen. Here's what it says. Jesus said, don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Those things that we constantly have needs for. Verse 33, everybody let's say it together. But first, everybody say it. But first, say it again. First, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But first, he talks about priorities. He knows what consumes your thoughts. He knows what keeps you awake at night. And he tells us the secret to thriving. The secret is proper priorities. Everybody say priorities. Priorities. Now, I know this can sound elementary, and it can even sound a little juvenile for some of you. But the reality is we all struggle with this. Because there's a constant demand on our time every single day. Jesus gave his life so that you could live and thrive, not just survive. That's what he said. And not only did he give, give you his life so that you could know abundant life, but check it out. Jesus modeled how to live that kind of life so that we could follow his model, so that we could learn from him. When it says to be a follower of Jesus, we can follow his model and experience the same kind of results that he experienced. Now, I know some of you will, wait, Pastor Kelly, he lived 2,000 years ago. He didn't have emails. He didn't have demands like me. He didn't have the family pressures that I have. He didn't even have a house. He didn't have a mortgage. He doesn't know what I'm going through. Oh, Jesus may have lived 2,000 years ago, but I guarantee you the demands he had on a daily basis probably eclipsed the kind of demands that you have. The Bible, we read in the, in, the, in the Gospels that Jesus worked hard every single day. As a matter of fact, he was criticized because he was even healing on the Sabbath. He was busy. 
Matter of fact, the Bible says that when he was 12 years old, when he was just 12 years old, his parents were looking for him. They couldn't find him. Finally, they went back and they found him. He was there in the temple. And they said, son, why did you do what? Where were you? Why were you doing this? And he said, I must be about my father's business. Why did you worry? He was already working on his family business at 12 years old. Jesus was already busy. Matter of fact, let me show you something. The gospel shows us that Jesus worked hard every day. Mark chapter 1. Check this out. Jesus had been with people all day long. How many of you guys know that people are draining? Raise your, raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. People are draining. Now, there's some of you that are extroverts in here and go, no way, I love being with people. They energize me. Yes. But if you truly love people, you're willing to give to them. It can be exhausting. Well, Jesus did. And in Mark chapter 1, Jesus being with people all day, we come to verse 32 and check it out. Look what happens in Mark chapter 1, verse 32. It says, that evening after sunset, say after sunset, the day is over. People are ready for bed. What does it say? That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. Verse 33, the whole town gathered at the door to watch. After all day being with people, now the sun is set, now the whole town is there. So what did Jesus do? He healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. The man knew what it meant to have demands. Another time, uh, and I don't have the verse up there right now, but just let me, uh, let me explain to you. Over in chapter 4, Jesus had been teaching and ministering all day long once again, and he and his disciples were tired. He said, hey, let's get into a boat. Let's go over to the other side. Mark chapter 4 says that when Jesus got into the boat, he went to sleep. He was exhausted. He was physically exhausted. He knows what it means to be physically exhausted. He gets in the boat. He falls asleep. And if you know the story, the Bible says that a storm came up. And the storm was so huge that it almost sank the boat. It didn't even phase Jesus. He was so tired and so exhausted. He was sleeping through the storm. It took his buddies to scream in his face, Hey, we're going to die! Jesus gets up, what? Where's your faith? Storm, be quiet. Let me go back to bed. Jesus knows what it means to be exhausted. He knows what it means to have demands. He knows what you go through. But he models to us how to live. Because even with these constant demands, Jesus operated with peace and purpose and determination. And in three years' time, three years' time, he flipped history. He transformed humanity. In three years, how did he do it? Because he prioritized. He modeled and taught us how to do what matters most. And it began with priorities. And he teaches us how to do that. So today, when I just want to talk for just a few minutes about how Jesus prioritized and how we can do the same sort of thing. And again, if you're a note taker, you'll want to jot down a few notes because this is going to help you tonight and tomorrow immediately. There was a time. Jesus had a coaching session. Uh, Jesus was kind of a life coach, you might say. 
he was an ancient life coach, and people would come to him. Executives would come to him. Leaders, politicians would come to him and ask him questions. Well, what do I need to do this? What can I do with this? And, oh, I've got this sick person over here, and I've got this servant over here. And he would coach them. And he would give them nuggets of truth, and he would give them the ways of the kingdom. Well, here's one encounter. He's going to life coach an executive, to put it in modern, modern terms. He's going to life coach an executive. An executive, a, a wealthy ruler at the time, comes to Jesus. And this encounter actually is recorded in three of the four Gospels. And so as a student of the Word, you know if, if something is spoken of in three different Gospels, that means that it was very, very significant because that means three different perspectives, three different authors wrote about the same experience. That makes it very important. And so we're going to take a look at Matthew's account. Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. Take a look at this. Follow along on the screen as I read. Verse 16 says, someone came to Jesus with this question. Uh, Luke calls him a wealthy young ruler. Matthew just says someone. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, well, why ask me about his good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good, but that's another story. We'll talk about that later. To answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commands. The man answers, well, which one? The man asks. Jesus replied, well, you must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you're familiar with these, these are the Ten Commandments. And Jesus begins to list them. The man says, I've obeyed all these commands, the young man replied. What else must I do? I mean, this guy's perfect. He's done nothing wrong. So there must be something else that I have to do. Jesus told him, verse 21, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then, here's the biggie, come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. Why? For he had many possessions. Right? Jesus begins to set up priorities in this man's life. Like a, like a life coach might do with an executive today. Hey, let's talk about your priorities. Where are you spending your time? And Jesus begins to help this young man realign his priorities. The wealthy ruler has done good all of his life. He's successful by society's standards. He has a good life. But he realizes that, man, there's something missing inside. There's something lacking. I'm living good. I've got the money. I've got the position. I've got the, the reputation. But there's something that's not answered. He wants the deep peace that comes from the confidence of his eternal soul being secured. And Jesus says to him, you want to be perfect? Uh, the Greek word for that is, uh, is teleos. That word teleos actually is, is translated to be complete. If you want to be complete, here's what you lack. 
He had to shine the light on this perfect man because he felt he was, I've, I've, I've kept every commandment. I've never broken one. I'm perfect. Well, you lack something. And Jesus shines the light on it. And the lack is the possessions and the time. He challenged the man to realign his priorities from amassing more to following him. And the time that he had used to amass would now be time to follow Jesus. Some of you in here have done that. You said no to more, and you said yes to following Jesus. Why did Jesus say get rid of the stuff? I always thought that was interesting. Well, God, Jesus, you could have used that stuff. I mean, couldn't, couldn't you have used all that stuff? Mm. Jesus is more concerned about what was going on in this man's heart. Because we know this, most of us know this. When we start to amass more stuff, you know what that means? More time, right? Get the house, you get the cars, you get the boats, you get the toys. Well, now you got to work more to pay for those boats and cars and toys, right? And now you got to have insurance to insure those boats and cars and toys and things. And, and you got to protect them. You got to manage them. You got to maintain them. Uh, you got to uh, 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 make sure that they're safe and, and secure and you got to care for all that stuff. That takes time. 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 I pastored in South Orange County for a number of years. In a, in a rather affluent area of South Orange County. And I had a number of wealthy individuals that would come to me and say, Pastor Kelly, we love what you're doing at the church. Here's a check, boom. And I'd say, well, thank you for supporting the ministry, but I'd like to see you once in a while. Because <laughs> I've only seen you at Christmas and Easter. We call them CEO Christians, right? Christmas and Easter only Christians. You go, oh, well, you know what? I got this thing going on. I got that thing going on. I got this timeshare out here, and I got this timeshare over there. And I'm not downing the abilities to be able to do those kinds of things. But when those things demand your time, my question is, do you own the things or do the things own you? See, there's a danger that our possessions can possess us, and we can become slaves to the things. That's why Jesus says, first, let's get this stuff out of the way, young man. Let's get it out of the way, and then now let's talk about your time. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Jesus asks for the most valuable thing there is here on earth, time. Because time matters, doesn't it? Time matters. And guess what? You're given a set amount of time as much as you are and I am, and you don't get any more. That makes it precious. That makes it valuable. So here's what I want to give you tonight before we leave tonight. I want to give you four things that you can do to realign your time priorities so that you can move from just surviving to thriving, so that you can move from the mediocre to extraordinary, so that you can move from successful, that was the young man, to significant. Because the greater thing is significance. And significance requires the right priority of time. Number one, and here's where you guys can take notes. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to do a little coaching like Jesus did. The first thing we need to do to realign our time priorities is we have to assess our time. Assess your time. You've got to take a look at it. Because, again, it's like money. 
If you were given tonight, if I came to you and said, okay, Rachel, Becca, here's, here's a, a bucket of gold. Each one of you is going to get a bucket of gold. You'll get no other money the rest of your life. This should sustain you for the next 80 years. Would you waste one single coin? If this is all, you're never going to get another one. This is all you're going to get. You would begin to determine, okay, how much is it going to cost to live? How will I spend this? How will I use this? Time is like money, except you only get what you're given. Once it's spent, it's gone, right? Each day, you're given 24 hours. Most of us sleep anywhere from six to eight hours. Some of you sleep a little less. Some of you sleep a little bit more. But most of us sleep anywhere from six to eight hours. So there's six to eight hours gone, shunk, out of the, out of the window. Most of us work eight plus hours a day to make money, to pay the bills, to do the things that we need to do. So let's take that eight hours out. So now you're 16 hours down. That leaves you with eight hours today. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? How will you spend it? It's a valuable commodity. Shouldn't it be spent on what matters most? Should it be? I think so. So what you do is begin to assess your time. Take your journal this week, and I want to encourage you. I've done this with college students. Many times I've spoken at camps and conferences and met with college students, and I've said, take a page, and this week, just begin to jot down how you spend your time. And I use that word. How are you spending your time? And just take a week to kind of jot it down. It's good for all of us to do. And see where you're spending the time. Well, I once did this with a young college student. He was a sophomore in college. And he came to me. He was struggling with his grades. And he came to this camp and he said, Pastor Kelly, will you please pray for me? I, 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 if I don't do better on my grades, I, I'm, I'm not going to graduate and this, that, and the other. So I was advising him. And I asked him, okay, so how are you spending your time? And he began to outline his activities. Well, I go to school on these days, and I work on these days. And I, I'm, he was a musician, so he, he plays in a band for this, and he likes to do intramural you know, sports, so he does this. I go, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to you know, go home from camp, take a week, and do what I just said. Jot down and, and log your time that is spent. And, I, and I, want to, I want you to come back and show me where it is you're spending your time. He did. And he contacted me after, after, actually it was a couple of weeks before he contacted me. And he came back and I said, so how was your time journal? How's it going? He goes, well, I was kind of surprised. I go, how so? He goes, well, you know, me and my buddies, after work, we like to get together uh, before I start into my homework. And we you know, play a few minutes of, of, of video games, you know. We're, we're going to game for just a little while. And, you know, kind of wind down after work and so that I can go and then go do homework. I said, just a few minutes? He goes, yeah. I thought it was a few minutes. I realized it was a few hours every week. And we began to talk that through, and he find, found out that his, his gaming was cutting into his study time, which was affecting his grades. He came back to me at the end of the semester, and he had cut back, way back on his gaming time, and his grades had gone up. Because he began to realign his priorities and say, I'm going to do what matters most. Take an assessment. See how you're spending your time. 
and you'll see where it's being spent and where it's being wasted. Take a look what it says in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. And if it's cool, is it cool enough in here now? We can, we can bring the air back down. Now it's freezing. <laughs> Psalm chapter 90, verse 12. Take a look what it says. Let's all read this together. Ready, begin. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. The instruction, the wisdom we get from Scripture is, look at your days and determine how much time you're spending. All right? Next, number two, rate the importance. Now that you've categorized, now that you've seen the things that you're doing, now it's time to go and, and begin to assign a number to it of importance. Like eating, eating's important. You probably need to eat to survive, to live, to thrive. And so you'll probably put that up there pretty high. So begin to list out. And here's how I would say that. Start by looking at the list and, and take your pen and go, if I could only do one thing this week, what would it be? And circle that thing. That means it's important. You've just begin to rate what matters most. And begin to work your way down the list. One, two, three. And just begin to work your way down that list. You'll begin to see what matters most. And you'll begin to see where you're spending your time you'll discover that there are things that you probably could eliminate so that you could give more time to what matters most, right? Gosh, I really need to be exercising. Well, I just don't have time for it. Well, what are you doing? Is there a way to rebudget your time? Listen to what God's Word says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. The Apostle Paul is instructing this young leader, Timothy, and he says this, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You see, the Apostle Paul is rating the importance of these activities. He's not downing physical exercise. As a matter of fact, the Greeks and the Romans highly esteemed the athletics. They, they, they thought that uh, physical fitness was, was right up there with, with worship. Matter of fact, Paul was a fan. We read throughout his letters that he constantly was referencing physical fitness and physical activities. But the Holy Spirit, through Paul's writings, says, I want to adjust the priorities and begin to rate the importance. Paul acknowledges the importance of exercise, that it does profit but something that is of a higher priority is godliness because it benefits your life now and the life to come. See, so Paul, in essence, is saying, yeah, I know exercise is good, athletics is good, but maybe you just switch it and pursue the things of God first. Prayer, Bible reading, journaling first, but first and then. You see, reprioritization. First we assess how we're spending our time. Then we rate the importance, one, two, and three. You'll be surprised where you're spending time. Do this. It's a fun exercise. I'm not going to be judging you. I'm not going to be testing you. This is not something you're going to get a grade on. But you may be growing. You may be having more time than you thought you had. You'll be able to redeem some of that time back. You'll be able to redeem that time and put better use to focus on what matters most. Number three, here we go. Now, budget your hours. 
Now that you know what matters most, now that you've assessed it, now that you've prioritized it, now it's time to give time to what matters most, and it's time to budget it. Take the top 10, and in, and in leadership circles, we call those the boulders, the, the things that you want to put into your life that are unmovable. Boom, we put these down first, and then we add all the other things around it. Take the top 10 and then begin to budget time for that to say, this matters most, so I'm going to budget time for that. And I'd recommend for you, if you're not using a calendar, use a calendar program. Use something on your phone. Use If you're old-fashioned, use paper calendaring. And budget some time for those things that matter most. This isn't new. Jesus did this. Jesus knew that spending time with Father God was number one. It was the number one thing that had to happen before anything else could happen. That was the top priority. And so Jesus, I'm sure, if he had a calendar back then, would have said, okay, this is the time of the day because as soon as the sun comes up, boom, there are people, the needs are there. People are hungry, people are hurting, people are broken, and I need to meet those needs. So what does it say that Jesus did? Mark chapter 1, verse 35, look at that. It says, early in the morning, Jesus woke and went to a secluded place and prayed. He pulled away, and it, said, and it, it mentions that regularly, that Jesus would get up early before the sunset, before the demands of the day, and he'd say, I'm going to seek my Father God first. I'm going to seek his will. And he would get his marching orders for that day. I start my day with the Lord every day. Get out a cup of coffee. Thank you, Jesus, for coffee. It's a gift from God. And I get there with the coffee in my journal or my, my Bible and my electronic journal that I use at times. And I, and I pray and I seek the Lord for the day. First, but first. He budgeted his time to prioritize what mattered most. This is why our life journals are so important. This is why I gave it out to you for free. This is why I want to encourage you to use this. If you don't use this and you use another kind of program, great. But I do want to encourage you to read the reading plan with us because what's fun is we're reading together and we're having conversations around, oh, did you read that? Man, I read that too. I know Pastor Alvaro just this week and I were, were talking about Abraham and we're talking about, man, there's some crazy things that went on there. And we're having these great conversations around the word of God. Well, because we're kind of reading together. So I want to encourage you to read on that Bible plan with us. Budget 15 to 30 minutes each day to seek first God. And when you do, Jesus promises that all those things that you have need for will be taken care of. There are all sorts of activities I've got to do today, but first. I've got to meet these people. I've got to get this deadline. I've got to, but first. And when we bring things into proper alignment, things are going to be better. You will begin to conquer that tyrant called urgency, and you'll begin to win. When we budget our time, it'll also be easier for you to say no to those things that are constantly pestering you. Sometimes they're good things. Okay, sometimes they're really great things. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. Number four. Finally, you got to follow through. You got to follow through. You can assess, you can rate, you can budget your time, but if you don't discipline yourself, 
then guess what? The tyranny of the urgent will take over and it will devour your time. And you're going to be going, man, what happened? I wanted to do this. Ah, but you didn't discipline yourself. See, a thriving, productive life doesn't happen by accident. Jesus was intentional. You need to be intentional too. Discipline is the difference between the weekend athlete and the Olympian. Discipline is the difference between mediocrity and outstanding. Discipline is desperately needed in our lives and will help us conquer the tyranny of the urgent. Take a look at what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. The Apostle Paul, who was speaking to Timothy, who made reference to athletic events, here's what he said. He learned from athletes, and he said this, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. The Apostle Paul says, I live a disciplined life. Today, to this day, 2,000 years later, we're referencing the words of Paul because he, he realigned his priorities, and he said, I'm seeking God first. I'm putting him first in all matters. Plan your time and stick to your time. There's always going to be things that are going to distract you. Oh, there's this new show I want to watch. Oh, there's this new game I want to play. You know what? I I just want a little more sleep. I just want a little more sleep. The pillow is so soft. I watch these these, um, um, mattress commercials. And I think to myself, man, we are so comfortable these days, aren't we? We got mattresses that'll rub your head for you and tickle your backside, make you stop snoring. They'll do everything for you. Matter of fact, I saw a commercial today. It was all about losing weight. And the mattress guy that was selling the mattress says, buy my mattress. You'll sleep better and you'll lose weight. Now it's a weight loss program. We're so comfortable. I know, I just want to sleep a little bit more. I need something in my bed that kicks my butt out of bed once in a while so that I can go be doing those things that matter most. Well, this group of folks, I want to hang out with them. I want to be with them. Right, I get it. I appreciate my daughter, Rachel, and uh, she's here tonight, but she's an individual that, you know, this May, she's going to be graduating with two bachelor's degrees. That's not easy to get. Yeah, I'm going to brag on her. That's not easy to get, two bachelor's degrees in five years because she's disciplined. She's one of the most disciplined people I know. She's disciplined her life, and she said she's had to say no to a lot of things so that she could say yes to the things that matters most. Discipline is the difference between mediocrity and outstanding. I remember that when my wife and I began to have children, we had been married for seven years, and we waited a number of years to have children, and we decided, hey, when we, when we have children, we're going to start saying no to some of those things that we, started, we were saying yes to before, right? Our children become a higher priority over some of the hobbies that we had before. And we did that. Because of this priority, I had to say no to some things that would have been, well, fun. I, I'm not going to lie. It would have been fun. But I was saying no for something that mattered more time with my girls. I had determined that being present with my girls was more important than my golf score. I had determined early on that time with my girls was more important than the latest, greatest technological thing that me and my buddies wanted to go wait late at night for just to get the first shot at it. Time with my girls was more important than having the newest, latest gadget the day it came out. 
And today, the rewards are better. See, because I'm not a golf pro, so what, what, matter, what does it matter what my golf game looks like? The latest, greatest technology 20 years ago is gone now. And I still have my girls, and I still have a great relationship with them because I put what matters most first. I prioritize what matters most, and the rewards are great. So we're encouraged from the Lord to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then put things into priority from there down. If you feel that you're fighting against the tyranny of the urgent, take this challenge and reprioritize what matters most. Hey, Josh, can I get you up here on the keyboards, bro? I'm going to close our time. Assess your time. Begin to rate the importance. Budget that time, and then follow through. When you do that, Jesus promises, if we'll seek him first, put him at the top of the list, all these things that we have need for, will be covered. Prioritizing daily time with the Lord through our Bible and reading plan will help to bring those things into proper perspective. Prioritizing time each week to be here on Saturday nights with with refinery will feed your soul, not only through the word of God that's being preached, but through the connections you'll make with others. And guess what? It'll also help them. Don't just come for yourself, but there are people looking for you that need you. Making our gatherings a priority, making time with the Lord a priority. But first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all that you have need of will be taken care of. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, for the reminder from your word, this very practical instruction. Coach Jesus, instructing us on how to live a life that is abundant. Reprioritizing. To look at how we're spending our time. And making what matters most matter most. And putting first things first. Lord, I appreciate so much this move, this moment, this reminder from the Holy Spirit to seek you first and to bring all things into proper alignment. If you're here tonight, your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, first thing that we need to get straight is our heart. The way we can do that is simply calling out to God and saying, Jesus, I need to make you first in my life, make you my Lord and my Savior. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, tonight's your night. The Bible says that if we'll confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. So tonight, make Jesus your Lord. Pray this prayer with me. Simply pray this prayer and say, God in heaven, I believe that Jesus Christ is Savior. And today I want to make him my Lord, my Savior. I commit my life to him and I ask Holy Spirit to fill my life. Teach me to walk in your ways. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I pray this in your name. Amen. 
For more information about Refinery Church, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. If these messages have blessed you, please consider supporting the ministry by visiting our website at wearerefinery.com/give.